You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. This is the, oh, good morning. This is the uh, Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm one of the very proud owners of Referral Mortgages here in Ottawa. We're a full-service mortgage brokerage. I'm um, here followed, followed. I'm joined by uh, David Warren, who's my business partner. He's also an owner and a mortgage agent at Referral Mortgages and Gregory Campbell, Gregoire. Uh, Gregory Legrégoire. is a partner over at Blue Panda Realty and he is an expert real estate agent. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our show sponsor, uh, show partner, I should say, um, North Brew Coffee. So if you go to northbrew.ca, put in the code word podcast, you'll get uh, 20% off all your coffee orders and you can join us on uh, Friday mornings or Tuesday mornings, whenever you listen to the show with the Java, nice Java. We'll give you a mug and uh, you can join in. While we're talking about them, they just released today on their third year anniversary. They released a um, body scrub. Um, Coffee body scrub scrub with coffee grounds in it because coffee grounds are a natural exfoliant. So he just launched that today. It smells delicious. I had someone tell me recently that apparently um, I have a friend who is from, oh my gosh, I want to make sure I get this right, Chile. And he said that uh, he said that they often use coffee grinds in their gardens as well. Apparently that yeah. uh, helps the garden grow. So Greg, maybe on your Zooks, you should toss some coffee grains. Yeah, she, Anna didn't do that this year. We've, we talked about it, but uh, did not happen. Did nay happen. <laughs> Next time. How's the week, David? Start over there. How was your time? How was your time away? Let's get into that a little bit briefly. Uh, good. It was, uh, went to Vancouver for, for five nights. Uh, was nice to get on a plane and go somewhere. I'm somebody who <laughs> likes who loves to travel and travels regularly. And so this past year and three quarters has been, uh, a very, a very big change for me. Uh, so it was nice to get away there, you know, Vancouver is great, as you know, uh, Greg, you know, but we, uh, we, we missed, we skipped the heat wave. So it's still beautiful weather, but, uh, but not too hot. So yeah, really enjoyed our time and then came back to, uh, you know, the mayhem, uh, the mayhem that uh, is my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually like completely disconnect for a few days? No, no, hell no. Okay. <laughs> it's no. funny that, 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 that it's, it's, it's funny that we even elude that it's possible in our industry. Okay. Yeah. Like well, not, it, not it's close, but no. And it's funny. Cause I'm, I'm going away to the cottage again and there's still some, like I'm, I'm really, really trying to wrap up everyone that I'm working with in the next two weeks and I'm close, but I, I have a feeling I may not. Cause I'm, I'm trying to actually have like maybe four days where I just like put my phone in the glove box of my car and don't even look at it. And if anyone needs to reach me, they can call me through my wife, which is, which would limit uh, my mother who will be helping me with business. Oh, the so, gatekeeper, or, Anna? Or anyone. <laughs> or anyone yeah, the gatekeeper, basically. Stay away. I actually made a don't point. the phone. I was, uh, I was journaling yesterday morning, which uh, I'm trying to get back in the habit of. Actually, Greg, you, uh, you kind of put me on that recently again. And I realized, I, I kind of wrote down, this is talking about the phone stuff. Uh, I wrote down that, uh, you know, uh, as a parent, that uh, the kids aren't always going to, uh, to be around. You know, I got to take these uh, days... Uh, not for granted. And, uh, I've made a point recently to, uh, start leaving my phone inside, you know, we go outside, kick the ball yeah. around or something. Don't need my phone on me. You know, we're going for a walk, leave the phone at home, enjoy the moment. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah. All that to say, it's true. I, put the I phone went down. for a walk with my daughter. Unless you're watching Torah. Uh, unless you're watching Torah. I went for a walk this morning with my daughter. That's our new thing. We do it. Anna works out with Savannah. They do like this epic workout. It's crazy. And then uh, I go out bike ride or walk with Alexa. But I had my phone with me this morning and I was like, no, don't touch it. And I was just like literally going, you know, I need to just leave it at home. <laughs> don't even have it. Don't need it. Anyways. Speaking um, of homes. Speaking, speaking of homes, of homes. we're, uh, we're okay, phase so, three today. So uh, I know no. in the real estate market, it's changed a few things. Uh, open houses are back. I was actually speaking to a realtor friend yesterday who stated that uh, I guess on some of the boards, there's um, some uh, efficacy issues or people are concerned that maybe, uh, you know, you shouldn't be promoting open houses yet uh, as a real estate agent. Uh, have you heard anything like that, Greg, or what's, uh, what's going on at BP oh, with uh, open houses? It, it, it's back in business. It's one of those things that, um, you know, it's at your discretion at your, uh, client's discretion as well. Uh, I, for one, am not a fan. I don't think, uh, they should be happening. Um, just because it's not, it's not the same kind of flow as what it would be, you know? Um, I, I just think that there'll be just a little lack of, I just think the communication will be different after everything we've been through. I think mm -hmm. they should have given it another, uh, another few months, but I do know there are some agents who, uh, you know, they run very good businesses off of open houses and their business, uh, diminished, uh, when the pandemic started because of that. So, you know, if they want to do it, they can. Um, I just, I can't imagine that anyone's going to be rushing out, especially since we're kind of coming into, or we, we've started more of a traditional summer market for the first time in three years, mm -hmm. but, uh, we'll see. I mean, if anyone wants to do it, we've got all like for, with blue Panda, we've got all our signs, um, you know, making sure that everybody follows the rules, uh, when they're in the open house. And I think any agent that does it now will be doing it with uh, two, uh, there'll be two agents doing it so that one can monitor, uh, how many people are in the house at once. And so is it going to be, is it still actually, navigate. can you walk in or is it, do you still have to yeah. book an appointment, scheduled time? Okay. No, so it's, so it's open in. door. I mean, okay. Yeah. When it was open last time, what happened is someone would act like a bouncer and you know, you take down the information. Big, big stuff and then, at the door. That's true. It's true. Right. So you take down their information and then one group comes out and then the other group comes in. So, I mean, it could still happen, but it's just, you know, it's a system that you have to have in place. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the market in general. Cause you know, we've talked about it a few times, but newer agents who, uh, you know, had never had to write a condition on an offer are probably, uh, open houses. They might've never even been a part of an open house no. right? if they, if they were Many. licensed in the last couple of years. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see, uh, typically agents would go with their clients to an open house, correct? Mm. Uh, no, not, not necessarily. Open houses for like, uh, you know, guys, there's Window a lot of open houses on Sunday. Yeah. yeah no. And it's like, if you, if you want to go see the area, you know, go have a look mm -hmm. and to just let them know that I'm working with you and they'll leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, the, uh, I think you said it, Paul, the, a lot of the agents that have come on board in the last two years, they haven't had to do open houses. They also haven't had to do conditions. And I know we were talking about it before last week and, and previous weeks, you've talked about it, that it's, it's one of those things for new agents. Now that there are conditions, you know, it is becoming a, it's balancing out a little bit, which is nice to see. And you're starting to see those conditions put in. It'll be funny to see how many new agents yeah. don't actually even know how to write a condition uh, or know how to even structure their conditions accordingly. Um, in their the, offers. The main, the main thing for me, I signed three conditional offers in the last week and a half. 
Two of them were multiple Great. offers that we won with conditions. So that's something that everybody needs to be aware of. I think the biggest issue is going to be new agents um, out and whether there is an offer or not being uncertain of if the offer will get accepted with or without conditions and not knowing how to present that to the listing agent or actually or negotiating the list. Yeah. Or having the listing agent being like, we want an unconditional offer. And mm-hmm. then them being like, okay, cause that's what they're used to. Although, you know, like I had one strategy I did on this, on this one. Um, actually we won it yesterday. So, you know, being in the business long enough, you know, I knew I went in and it had, you know, we were the only ones, uh, we were 20,000 under list. Another offer came in and we, so we, we eliminated the financing condition because we did, we knew that we didn't really need it. Um, the, the financing was secure. And then even though we were still in multiple offers, I had a feeling that, you know, I was like, this is a good price for the house. And then I just, I called my inspector and I booked the condition for two days. That was it. And I talked to the agent. I said, look, I go, this is our top offer. We've got an inspection book for two days. You know, that's it. See what your guy wants to do. And we got it. So the other one was obviously a little bit old, old um, a bit under, and it may have had also a financing condition. So, it, it, you know, you just got to know how to navigate it and what to, what to do. And if you're a new agent and you need help and you're unsure, like make sure that you have somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, be informed when you're in a situation like this and that you're best representing your client. Because if you're just going in, like you don't really need to go all in anymore unless, you know, unless it's a spectacular home, which we're also seeing right now um, on some, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. And, and it minimizes the agent's risk too, right? Like there's a lot of risk Absolutely. involved, especially in the, in the verbiage used to a client of, you know, what, you know, that recommendation of going in unconditional, there's a lot of risk involved there as well. Right. On the agent side. Yeah. Cause it can be, if it's positioned incorrectly or if it's pressed upon, then it's kind of the liabilities on them. Um, if something were to, to go wrong. So kind of knowing when to include those conditions, I think is valuable for protecting everyone, not just your buyer, but, but the agent themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you really got to know your buyer, mm-hmm. like you really got to know, you know, why, why they're doing this, what they're, you know, what they're trying to get, um, what their ambitions are and, and you know, what their status is, mm-hmm. because I mean, if they're, if they're, if they've done it before and they're all in, then they're all in, you know, we, we have a document that we can get clients to sign off on saying that they agreed to waive and that we're not liable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, if they're, if they're fresh, like the ones I was with this week, you know, we just went in with conditions and we got it mm-hmm. just cause I knew how to navigate happily. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. It was amazing. Everyone was, we were so shocked. Even the inspectors were shocked. Just meeting the inspectors. Yeah. They're like, Hey man, he's got it. a huge grizzly yeah. Adams beard yeah. and uh, long hair. Yeah. Hey, I just came from my basement. <laughs> I haven't and, done and the, an inspection the, in three years. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, there's one that I'm getting done today and the house, as far as I'm concerned, based on, you know, how many I've done in the last year and a half, like I was like, this doesn't need an inspection at all. This house is like perfect, but it was still like, you know, their first timers. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think we can get an inspection. Would that make you feel better? They're like, absolutely, please. I'm like, great. Got it. Are you still doing pre-inspections, Greg on the, is it the big stuff uh, stamp? Are you still doing those on? It is. Yeah. For, for any, yeah. And, and I'm, 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 I'm a little pissed at agents that aren't doing it, especially on older homes. Like I've been seeing some older properties with clients and they don't have a pre-inspection and it's just nonsense. Like if, mm-hmm. you know, if your client doesn't want to pay for it, just pay for it. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. sell the house. 600 bucks, 
I mean, it's just a service I think that everybody should be doing for their, for their uh, seller and for the, and for the buyers. Um, if, especially if you're waiting for offers, especially if I would say it's may, it also makes the process less stressful too, whether you're waiting for offers or not, but you know, knowing ahead yeah. of time, what issues are in the home that you can address yeah. before listing or that you're aware of. So, you know, that this might be pushback, uh, kind of yeah. gives that seller the relief or the knowledge that, okay, I know my house isn't, you know, there isn't something structurally wrong that that is going to sewer this deal mm-hmm. or this sale, yeah. and for the for the agent as well, they know that ahead of time and and know what to be prepared. With, right? Yeah, and I yeah. feel I feel like uh, if you're a seller and you know that something's wrong, like that's going to also just kind of eat away at you. You know, if someone buys a house and you know that there might be some foundation issues or this and that, or, or mm-hmm. even if Greg, we talked about this yesterday. If you're looking at say a a 20 year old home and everything's still original. I mean, the, the very, the likelihood is there might be, you know, the roofing might need to replace the, the furnace might be on its last legs. Like there's a few things that, that you kind of really mm-hmm. want to know before, like the, some of those you can see face value and kind of look at it and say, okay, well, the shingles are starting to curl and we're going to have to replace the roof. But there are some things that you just are either, uh, you know, they're not visible right away or, or you might not think to look for it. Uh, or you, you know, you're, you, you have, let's say a 30 minute showing and you're going through, you don't see the whole house. Uh, those things can really leave a sour taste in the buyer's mouth after they move in. Right. If, if all these things kind of fall apart after buying it and that inspection wasn't done. Um, what's the, what's the general mood that you've felt Greg with buyers recently? Like, have you seen, have you had any buyers that that were on the sidelines that have kind of popped back into the market and so on? Yeah. Slowly, slowly popping back in. Um, you know, a lot were discouraged and they waited for a bit. Uh, you know, there's some more coming in. I'm noticing that prices in the city are still, you know, kind of where they were before. I'm still seeing home selling in, in multiples or, or over list. But that said, a lot of those homes are listing lower than what they would have two months ago as well. So that's another thing to note. So if I'm seeing a house selling at a hundred thousand over list, it's probably listed at a hundred thousand less than what it would have been in April. Uh-huh. Right. And it's just, it's, re- it's really interesting to watch. Cause it took me a minute to kind of be like, I'm like, wait a minute. And then, you know, I'm looking at the numbers going, okay, well that, kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, like there was one that sold in North Gore, uh, last week. It was amazing. It was a bungalow. I saw it and it was listed, I think at five, I think it was five ninety nine or five, five fifty. Anyways, it was fantastic. I'm like, this is going way over because if for what it was, it was incredible. So it sold, they got 22 offers sold for seven fifty, mm-hmm. Right. So, but that was based on, it was perfect mm-hmm. and it was priced to sell. Like that, sh- it should have been listed at 700 basically. Do you find that same sort of thing? So I know this was happening a month or two ago where, you know, if you listed at 599, you're going to get those 22 offers. But if you listed at 699, closer to where it is, you might only get two or one or yeah. two showings and, and, or and something, right? And so, that's, and that's what happened. And, and yeah. it was a big problem, but now what's happening is, you know, there's two things, there's more inventory. So, I mean, I think, uh, I didn't check today, but you know, the, the other day I was, I was looking at row homes in Orleans, you know, there was 37 on the market. So if you, if you're listed at, let's say 625 and you get an offer at 600 and that's your only offer and you've had one or two showings, I mean, your odds of selling that for higher than 600 are, are diminishing every day Mm -hmm. because they have other options now. And, um, at the same time, there's a lot coming out that are not worth it trying to list high. And people are kind of saying, this is overpriced. I was out, I saw four properties yesterday with my clients and they, 
they were just like, this is ridiculous. Like this, this is not worth it. And I was agreeing with them. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like these are overpriced for what they're offering. They were like, to me, they were 50,000 overpriced based on what the current market is doing. So it, it's really interesting because we're in a traditional summer market, which we haven't been in in years because it's just been motoring through like crazy for the last two and then maybe three. But then what's going to happen in fall? Because traditionally, you know, it's spring, summer, you chill a bit. Everybody's cottaging and doing their thing, vacations, and then fall, it ramps up again. So I, I, I'm anxious to see if, if that actually happens where fall comes around, then all of a sudden it's like, boom, back I up. Think, I think that is going to happen. I think mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. I think second week of yeah. August because people, people go do cottages and, and camping and enjoy the outdoors. Cause we have such a short summer season, June, July, first week of August. And then they realize, well, you know what? We need to get into a house because we need to register our kids for this catchment area. Yeah. And they kind of have that three week sprint almost to, uh, yeah, they'll never get School's anything starting. though. <laughs> even closings now are even closings. Now it's impossible to get in in September, basically. Some yeah. like most that I'm working with, they're looking like end of September, October. Yeah. And yeah. They, so, the agreements I've seen this week are all like September 3rd, that week, yeah. beginning of September now, which is good because, you know, lenders are still let between lenders and appraisers and so on. I mean, we're still looking at probably, you know, at best a three week to four week closing in like the perfect situation. Right. Like, I mean, ideally we want probably four weeks right now uh, at a minimum for, for appraisers are still taking two plus weeks mm-hmm. just on the appraisal alone. So it's something that's still I continuing. Was, I was uh, impressed the other day about an, from an appraiser. So the bank did a desktop appraisal. Mm -hmm. The buyer said, we want a, or not a regular appraisal. The -hmm. bank did it. And we had the appraisal the same night that it was done physically within the period of seven days. So I was super impressed with that. So you'll get the, typically you'll get the report quickly, like once they've actually gone and seen the property, but it's, uh, it's, it's them getting it in their schedule to actually get out. Um, you know, we have certain appraisers that we deal with when we can, or some banks, we can order appraisers, appraisals directly from an appraiser. Um, in that case, it allows us to speed up that turnaround time because we have that direct Mm -hmm. line of communication with the appraiser. Um, and ones that we work with regularly where some banks, and there's quite a number of them, most the major banks. And then there's some others as well, where you have to order through a third party. So it's a third party ordering system who then it goes into a black abyss where it's ordered online. And then they assign it to an appraisal firm and your communication is through the third party to the appraisal firm. And so it, they hate dealing with the system. So that, bogs it down, but then you're also not getting immediate responses from the appraiser or being able to call them. Cause you don't actually know who's doing that. Who's in the, doing the work. Right. So it, yeah, it slows that down. So, you know, um, major banks, you know, ones that are green, that for example, you know, those, those are taken like, is it through a third party system where it's taken two weeks to get things like that. So still be to, to be cognizant of. I got a question yeah. for you, David. Um, so, you know, with obviously we're going into phase three, things are opening up a bit. Uh, rates are obviously remaining at essentially a historical low. So how do you see uh, this affecting kind of the overall economy in, in Canada moving forward? Wow. What a loaded question off the, um, so I know, the, I mean, the bond <laughs> rates, the fixed rates are, are tied to Canadian mortgage bond. And that has, is, has been ticking up a little bit, uh, which affects fixed rates and as well, um, fixed rates on multifamily and commercial. Um, I mean, the Bank of Canada said this week that they uh, 
their expectations for 2021 have been lowered for the economy from a growth standpoint, but they have, they are predicting a slightly higher uptick in, in 2022 and that they're still not projecting to touch um, the overnight lending rate, which affects variable and all that, uh, not until still late 2022. So I think the rates are still going to remain low until things really start picking up from a growth in the economy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, so, and, and there's still quite a bit of time before Bank of Canada will change anything with that would impact variable rates. I think variable is still your way to go right now with, there's still a, a very good spread between what you can get for a variable rate and what a fixed rate would be. And you've got a lot, a lot of time before that, um, before the like bank of Canada is going to change prime. So yeah, I think this conversation, I think that's not going to affect, um, I think they're not going to be impacted drastically. I think we'll still see, you know, kind of, we've seen it stabilize now, um, over the last month. Um, it hasn't really had much in the way it changes. And I think, because banks also, you know, their business not only tied the rates tied to bonds, but obviously their business, and they look at you know summer market, spring, um, that it's you know these are times where there's the most amount of transactions. They want to win business as well. So we have a question here from uh, Henry. He says, "I've seen the price of wood decrease at Home Depot, so I imagine the price is decreasing in general. Any idea how this might affect the price of new builds?" Yeah, we we talked about that just a little bit, eh? Last week or the week before? No, two weeks ago, I guess. I mean, I, I, I was, I was, I was meeting with some clients this week, um, where they were, they're building some multifamily, uh, <laughs> homes, some eight units and things like that. And they were talking about them needing to, that you still can't get roof trusses, things like that. Um, they're having to purchase the material now and the, and the f- lumber packages now for where they're not going to start likely not going to break ground until October. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at that, they're not sure when they would actually, when that, when those supplies would come in. I think even with the price of lumber starting to come down, it is now traded. It is a commodity that's traded on the futures exchange. Um, and so those prices have been coming down, but I don't know that it'll, dra- that it'll directly affect new homes because new home pricing is also based on what the area is getting for like from a, a valuation standpoint, you know, they're not going to sell, even if it costs them, costs them 500,000 to build the home or it costs them 250. But if places are being sold in an area for 700, they're sure as hell gonna, not going to, not going to sell for 550 or 500. Well, and um, they took a haircut as we talked about with Irina, like the, a few weeks ago, they've, they've taken a haircut in the last six months to, to 12 months because they've, they've already committed to certain prices over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Say someone bought in mm-hmm. 2019 before the pandemic even hit at a set price closing in 2021. Well, now, you know, the, the price of that material is probably like surpassing the actual cost of the home. So some builders are probably actually running in a deficit. So moving forward, as you said, Dave, I think that's just going to help them kind of get that spread back where they can actually be profitable again, uh, and continue to kind of keep the pedal down on, on new builds and so on. Um, so yeah, it's and, very, very interesting. And you kind of, you know, we all, you don't want things to be uh, too jacked up as far as margins are concerned, but, but I mean, we also need builders, you know, you can't have them not having a margin or a spread on their, on their product. Cause otherwise they're not going to be able to continue to build mm-hmm. these neighborhoods. You know, if you get a, if you get a Tamarack or a Claridge or a Minto to stop, you know, because margins are too thin and they go underwater, well, you need somebody else to then pick up the slack. Otherwise prices across the whole industry are going to increase because there's, you know, a major builder out of, out of commission. Um, 
Greg, have you been dealing with any builders lately and have you seen a shift? I know you mentioned that they're more interested in working with you now. Are you still seeing yeah. kind of that auction style or what's the current? Uh... Yeah. I mean, th that's all I'm seeing. I mean, I haven't really had any close communication with builders inquiring about their uh, prices or what they're going through, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe I should. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should. <laughs> I wanted to loop around back to, to Dave's comment about the rates too, because I had this conversation with the client yesterday. We were debating uh, which way he should go as far as fixed versus variable. And, and one thing I would say to Dave's point is that in the past two years, we've actually seen at times where fixed rates have actually been lower than variable rates, which is, you know, historically has, I don't think ever happened or very rarely happens. Um, typically the variable rate is fairly, you know, at least a half percent or three quarters of a percent lower than the fixed rate, which kind of gives you that, uh, you know, perceived rate risk that you're, you know, you're taking the risk of taking variable because it could fluctuate. And for that, you're kind of getting some interest savings up front, but it may increase to the point where you no longer get that. But some very important things to know about variable rates in case, you know, our listeners aren't, aren't aware of this, um, you know, standard people think, oh, well, I need a five-year fixed rate is kind of the the mindset, right, of most buyers. Uh, and I think that has been in the past the most common product taken. But when you do have a variable rate, the, the rate itself, is it, it can fluctuate over time. But you can also, at any point in your five-year term or whatever your term is, you can actually convert it from a variable rate to a fixed rate. So the, the variable rate product is extremely flexible. Um, one of the main advantages of having a fixed rate is that you can actually port or transfer that mortgage from one property to another. And if you're in a variable rate and you know you're going to move, instead of paying that penalty, you can essentially convert it to a fixed rate and then port it to another property. So there's lots of like, you know, there's lots of flexibility with that product. Um, and the interest savings, even if it's a half percent over five years, I mean, on a four or $500,000 purchase, you're talking like thousands of dollars in interest savings. It's not, it's not hundreds. It's like, you know, in the f probably five to $8,000 range, which is, you know, do you really want to give up $8,000 for that small peace of mind that rates may increase by, you know, mm -hmm. essentially it has to go up a full percent for you to break even. I have a, I have a question for you. I, I was looking at uh, rates. I had a rate sheet that I saw the other day and I've never really thought about this, but I noticed there was like a 10 year fixed at 2.75. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, I'm like, that sounds something that would be amazing. But my question to you is on a 10 year fixed, I imagine that there's a massive penalty to breaking that. Yeah. Correct. In the first five years, it's uh, the IRD penalties. So interest rate differential. So the same way that any fixed rate, fixed rate mortgages are, are the penalty is calculated based on an IRD or interest rate differential. So for a 10 year fixed, the first five years that the IRD kicks in, Beyond that, five years to the 10 years, it's a three months interest penalty if you were to break. That's it. So it does, okay. yeah. Like over once you're beyond that five years, but but something to be aware of with and to be cautious of with a 10 years, do the math of what are you what would you be locking in if you were taking fixed? What would you be locking in on a five-year fixed at right now? And what that difference would be between the five and the 10 year. Yeah. Because that first five years, you're going to be, if you're say, if your rate, let's say is locking in at, you know, two, 2%, 204 versus a two, seven, five. Well, you've got five years that you're paying three quarters of a percent more. And you would then need in the last, when you go to renew, you would need rates to be likely in the high threes to even low fours. Um, to, to be a break even if you, as opposed to taking two, seven, five, the entire, um, 
the entire time, right? Because in the beginning, your mortgage is never going to be higher than it is the first day that you close on that property or the first day that you refinance right. that property. And so the, the lower your rate is in the beginning, the more you're going to save on interest, the more principal you're going to be paying down and the, and the less your payments are going to be. So you're going to have that five-year run up. And then when you go to renew, you've paid off that much you know, of the mortgage and saved that much already that you know, even renewing at 275, you've still saved. So you actually need to be renewing at a substantially higher rate because you've already paid down the mortgage drastically. And your new calculations based on that lower loan amount. And we've so talked about it many times about how, you know, the average, maybe you haven't talked about on this show, but the average mortgage, I feel like I tell clients this all the time, but the average mortgage mortgage in Canada statistically is only about 36 months. So, you know, if you're taking a 10 year right. term, the likelihood is at some point in that 10 years, you're going to have yeah. to refinance or you're moving or, or there's going to be something that comes up where you're going to have to restructure that mortgage in some way. And then you're definitely going to be subject to that IRD penalty, right? Uh, or the three months. That's, why I, that's why I brought it up. Cause I was kind of surprised. I mean, like I've seen a seven year, I know when I saw yeah. 10, I'm like, really, I'm like, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I was like, wow, that's, that's a I, commitment. I've had, yeah. I've had two people in eight years want a 10 year. Um, and it was simply, you know, yeah, they, they were low, you know, low rates considerably for, for tenure, but it was just more that they knew they weren't going to be moving ever from that home. And they just wanted the, you know, as Paul, Sure. Put it perfectly earlier, the peace of mind to just not have to think about renewing and that this would be their payments, like, and that's it and, and not think about it. And so it worked for them, but, uh, but I do, I know others and, and I have a couple of friends that actually did that and they kicked themselves <laughs> shortly after, uh, for doing it, but. Yeah. So, I mean, and if has a question, I'll, I'll just read it out. I can, I can, uh, kind of touch on it. He says, can you explain why mortgage companies don't recommend to amortize at less years and recommend at 25? So, uh, 25, like when we're trying to qualify you or, or get you approved for your mortgage or refinance or renewal or what have you, the 25 years is basically what the, um, what your, you know, your, your debt ratios and so on are calculated over that 25 years, because that's how they figure out what the actual monthly payment is going to be. So even though you have a term of five years based on the interest rate that you're locking in at, the payments are calculated based on the amortization of the mortgage. So 25 years. So some lenders, you know, if you put 20% down, some lenders will actually allow you to go up to 30, but you can voluntarily do 20, 15, 10. Like, you know, sometimes we'll have clients that are looking to renew and they might have 15 years left. Uh, and they say, well, we want to, uh, either extend it to 20 or, or lower to 10 or, or what have you. So we can actually manually uh, adjust that. Um, but I would suggest, you know, for anyone who is considering that, if you're thinking of going to say a 20 year term, I would still recommend typically to set it at 25 and then voluntarily increase your payments after the fact, because if you set it at 20 years, yeah your payments are fixed at that. So, you know, if you, if you have job loss or something happens and you have to lower your payments, you have no option to do that. Whereas if you have a 25 year term, your payment is based on that 25 years and you can almost every lender allows you to increase your payments voluntarily, mm -hmm. uh, monthly by up to 20%. So 15 to 20%. So you can voluntarily increase your payments by 20%, which is going to lower your amortization by that same 20% but at least you're and choosing the, to increase it. So you still have the availability to lower it back down to that 25 year payment if you want, but that extra, you know, if you put increase that 20%, that 20% goes directly to the principal balance of the mortgage. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, so it yeah. lowers the amortization down to 20 instantly. So instead of setting it at 20 where your payment's now fixed, set it at 25 and then voluntarily increase it by 20% so that it lowers the amortization by the same I amount. Think the, um, I think to Hennef's 
question as well of, of why the longer amortization versus, you know, a 15 or a shorter one, it's a matter of qualifying as well. Um, so as Paul alluded to, like your payments are based on what that amortization is and the rate. And so there the banks are calculating to make sure that you can cover that mortgage payment, your existing debts, your property taxes, all of that. Um, and so sometimes do it, you know, if it was based on a 15 year amortization, those payments are going to be, uh, you know, 40% higher compared to a 25 year. Can you do, does it work with your debt servicing ratios? If it does, then absolutely. You can take that and, and, you know, either, or even go with five year or 10 year, what have you, it's just based on that qualifying. And so if the, if the ratios don't align for that, for where your income is at in order to get you at that 15 year right off the bat, as Paul said, do it 25 years because that's what you'd qualify for. And then voluntarily um, bump your payments because maybe the bank's not able to use some of your income for whatever reason. Um, you know, there's not all income can be used or recent income, sometimes things like that. So um, that's, that's kind of why a lot of times the, the banks will, will say, you don't have to do 25 versus short. And there, there are times where clients might be 10 years into, into 20, sorry, they've lived in their home for 10 years. So they're 10 years into their 25 years. But then as Dave said, maybe one of the one, you know, the husband or wife or, or, you know, partner, whoever it is, one of the applicants might've lost their job or something's happened. So we might have to extend it from 15 back to 25 just for qualifying, just so that the monthly payment fits within their budget. So there's lots of reasons why we would do that, but to, you know, long story short, if you wanted to set your amortization at 20 years or 15 years, we can certainly do that. We just have to make sure that the numbers work with your income and so on. So Mood boost, gentlemen. Should we slide into the mood boost? Mood boost. Mood boosts. Let's do it. I got a couple. Uh, I got three today. I'm pretty happy with Better them. be bangers. They're bangers. They're bangers. So, number one. I saw a nice stereo on Amazon for $1. Seller said that the volume is stuck on high. I couldn't turn it down. <laughs> number two. It's good. Good. If you ever find someone that owns 10,000 bees, marry them. You know they're a keeper. Okay. 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 Number three. What do you call a lazy kangaroo? A pouch potato? Wow. Okay. Not okay. bad. The first, two were, the first two were killer. I like the first two. Yeah. First two one was good. The first one like was good. Two, two and a half. Yeah. First one was good. So, uh, yeah, just a reminder to everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Paul's on fire today. Well, thanks, Lionel. That's nice of you to say. Um, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I'm having a, having a good week. Feeling vibrant, you know. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. But, uh, yeah, just a reminder to everyone. We, we do record here live every Friday, 10 o'clock. Had to think about that. And then we release the episodes uh, edited, polished. Uh, Stephen does his magic on the back end. And we release them Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. And uh, you can find that anywhere on any podcast platform, um, YouTube. We put the video up on YouTube, Spotify. Yeah, head, head over to Where YouTube and subscribe to our channel if you haven't yet, please. We're, we're seeing a, a steady increase of about 20 subscribers a month and loving it. We're getting a, week, a lot of action. A week. Here. A week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a week. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> That'd be 80 a month. Um, uh, and I don't forget. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, to say this in closing before we sign off that if you are a buyer right now is a great time to be shopping because there's less people out there and there's more inventory. And if you are a seller, 
just make sure that you get your number right when you're listing your property because the buyers are aware that there is more inventory and you'll have a harder time selling if you're not having a proper conversation with your realtor and know how to price your home properly. Thank you. <laughs> Mic drop. All right. <laughs> and uh, last shout out to Northbrew Coffee, northbrew.ca. Thank you to them. Uh, check them out. If you use the, uh, if you want to use the code word podcast, you'll get uh, 20% off your order. And uh, we'll be back here next Friday, 10 o'clock AM. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Thank you to all yeah. our listeners. We'll see you next week. Bye. The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Referral Mortgages, Blue Panda Realty, and Stephen Hopkins Video. Thanks for tuning in. And please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.